2: What do you do when you see someone lying in the street? Do you step over him and walk away? Or do you stop for a second and just look and go, oh, well, another drunk person or addict, so what, and walk away? Or do you stop and take a moment and see if there's something you can do about it? Today, we have a beautiful guest. Um, Tina Blake and we have Kevin Haya again. Um, Hello everyone, this is Karina, Break Fear, Find Freedom and um, we have a very interesting story today and just listen and see how this unfolds. Hello Tina, how are you today?
1: I'm good Karina, how are you? I'm
2: awesome, thank you and Kevin, hello Kevin. Hello, Karina. How are you? I'm excited to tell our story. Yes, I'm excited to share the story. Um, I think first we'll um, start a bit with, uh, with Kevin. We have spoken to Kevin before um, and um, the link to his um, stories is at the bottom. But I just want to ask Kevin um, how he found himself at the end of his um, meth addiction, um, just so that we can put a bit of context so that then we can bring in Tina.
3: Well, I was a goody-goody, as I jokingly call it, till I was 39 and had maybe tried edibles once or twice. Um, I certainly did not have a history of, of drug abuse um, or even alcohol abuse. Um, however, as I was dangerously close to 40, as I like to put it, I made a mistake. That mistake was I tried meth and I got hooked right away. I was a lawyer in a large law firm in Philadelphia. Um, my life wasn't bad, but it wasn't where I wanted it to be in my mind. Um, I've learned a lot of gratitude in the last few years, but at the moment then I, I lacked it. Um, and I made a mistake. I thought meth would be the answer potentially. And of course it wasn't. <laughs> um weeks later I was fired from my job for poor performance, understandably. Um, and then I spiraled going into COVID. And I continued doing meth until, well, the day I met Tina, and I'll let Tina take it from there.
2: <laughs> okay. Um, hello, Tina. Uh, thank you so much for being uh-huh. here. Um, tell us a bit about what that day when you um, met Kevin. What
1: happened? well it was a typical normal day um i was at home my husband had came home um from doing tree work and he decided that he wanted to go dump his truck because he had a load of brush and we have to go off of their property to dump the brush well when we went to go out we went by a property where we had permission to cut wood and it just caught out of my husband's corner of his eye. He's seen someone land in the roadway that goes into the woods. And we backed up and my husband and I went over there. Well, I, we found Kevin. Um, at the time, I didn't know who he was there was no car, there was no one around him. Um, he was, he was out of it. He, you know, wasn't very alert or anything. So we called 911, you know, because it was someone that needed help. You know, we didn't, we didn't know if what the medical condition was or how he had even got there. Mm-hmm. And so we called 911 and, Got him help. And that's where our story began.
2: <laughs> so what did you see? What, what why did you stop and help Kevin?
1: Well, I mean, you know, it was it was someone that that, you know, we knew wasn't supposed to be there. And it was just out of the ordinary for anyone to be there, but to be there in the shape that he was. You know, we knew that he needed help. Um, at the time, I didn't know what it was. I didn't think that, you know, drugs didn't cross my mind or anything like that. I to be truthful, I thought that someone had beat him and threw him out on the road or, or something, you know, and I just did the only thing that I knew to do was to get him help, you know, because mm-hmm. I he needed help.
2: What was he? Was he responsive? Did he speak to you or did you wait for someone to come? And um, did you wait for 911 before you spoke to him? Did you try and speak to him?
1: I tried to speak to him. I um, kept asking him, you know, his name. He was out of it a lot, but he would he would come to to, you know, he was able to tell me his name. He was able to tell me that he, where he was from and um, his uh, father's name, because I kept trying to get information from him to keep him alert while 911 was on the phone, you know. Mm-hmm. And then we, it was very hot that day. And so we got him a Gatorade out of the truck you know get getting trying to get him on getting dehi- um, get hydrated because he was very dehydrated
3: mm-hmm.
1: and you know he just but he kept going in and out on us and he we asked him if anyone had hurt him and at first he was like no and then he said yes you know and so i was really worried because like I said, there was no vehicle. There was no one around. He's not someone that we had ever seen in our neighborhood. And, you know, we're back in the country on a back road. So, you know, it's not typical to find someone like this. Mm -hmm. And so just glad that, you know, we were able to find him and get him help.
2: Oh, that's very, that's beautiful that you did that. Um, But Kevin, um, Kevin, do you remember anything about that day?
3: So what I remember is this. I remember driving the night before and I don't drive much at night for due to a vision condition, but I was driving. I remember parking my car outside a farmers, like entrance to their property, like between two fences that were positioned so you could drive in Mm. and the lawyer and me, I put the keys under the car. So I couldn't get a DUI. Um, but I was clearly overdosing on methamphetamine. And yes. the meth that I had purchased was leased with fentanyl, which was a problem in Virginia in the summer of 2020. Um I remember getting out of the vehicle, and then really the next thing I know was lying on the ground. And I actually don't remember Tina and her husband. What I remember were the paramedics very slowly approaching me and I was coming in and out of consciousness mm-hmm. um, apparently I also gave Tina a little attitude when she asked how old I was, uh, <laughs> I was just close to four. did you see a theme here um, but what's up with,
2: with this age thing <laughs> no, we, we, okay, all, we all have I'm... our
3: crosses to bear um, but you know in all seriousness I mean, it, was, it was a terribly Disturbing day, you know. As I, I, Tina, who's now my friend, I said, you know, not only do I thank her profusely for saving my life, but I also feel like I owe an apology. That had to be so scary to be yes. driving country road. And again, where, where, where Tina and her husband live is is not too far from where I was living at the time. You know, it is the country. You just don't see, you know, people lying in the woods. You know, this isn't like a city where you might sometimes see the 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 wreckage that comes with addiction. Yes, um, yes, yes. So from there, I remember pits and pieces of going to the hospital and, um, them asking me what had happened. And I did tell them the truth that it, that I had used, had methamphetamine because my thought was, you know, they can't help me if I don't tell them the truth.
2: Mm. Well, yeah. that was, that was actually one little form of, of elucidation, which was, which was a good thing at that moment, right?
3: Uh, well, probably like, said they can't save my life if they don't have all the facts. You know, was like as an attorney, I'll say to a client, I, I can't help you if you don't tell me the good and the bad,
2: you know? Yes, but um, addiction like is usually where you hate yourself so much, you sabotage. So that was a good thing, right? Um, it, do you know what happened then? Because, I mean, you could have just, you could have, once the paramedics arrived, you could have said, okay, my job's done, bye, and left, and carried on going and doing whatever you um, were doing with your husband, but I don't think you did.
1: No, we, while when the paramedics came and they got there, the, the, the way that they were acting, they automatically, from what I gathered from their actions was this is drug related and, you know, I never looked at it that way. I've seen someone that was in need of help. They needed help. Um, my husband actually helped get him into the ambulance. And then the police came and the police also, they, they were like, oh, this is drug related, you know? And that was it. They all left, took him to the hospital. And I'm a mom. And, you know, I knew that he has a mom out there somewhere because I asked Mm. him, you know, his father's name. So when I came home, which I'm five houses down from where he was found, I couldn't sit there and not do anything. So Mm. I got on Facebook and I tried to find his Facebook page. I found it. I went through his friends list, and I was able to find someone with his last name, which ended up being, I believe, a family, his sister-in-law, I believe. And so I contacted her on Facebook, and then she contacted me by phone, and I was able to give her information for his mother and father to contact me. And so Mm -hmm. they contacted me. And we went, um, I gave them all the information of where he was at, what had happened. And they went ahead and, you know, went to the hospital and everything. And we've stayed in contact, you know, on and off since then. And, you know, I just, I I couldn't just sit and not do anything because I knew he had family. And, Mm. you know, Mm. I, I just felt that the police and stuff, they wasn't gonna try to locate no one because, you know, the first things that they said, this is drug related and, you know, just assuming that, you know, right off of the bat.
2: Well, um, so that was that was beautiful, you know, just the love of, a, of another human being without judgment. Um, So that's already a beautiful story. How did that change um, once you came to Kevin uh, and you realized where you were and obviously how did that change your perception of your life? Knowing that some random person just loved you
3: enough to save your life. I think what it did was it set in motion. And this is actually on the website as part of my story. Um, Because at the time, as I was coming to, I contacted some of the people in my life that were very close to me. um, Say, "Hey, I think I may be dying." I mean, I had the sacrament of last rites given. I was very, very, very ill. My parents cleaned out my home, thinking it'd be easier to do before a funeral rather than after, thought being, you know, cling to a little bit of hope. and, and the story is on the website, but my best friend had a bipolar episode and it, it just made me realize I bargained with God. You know, if I survive this, let me go tell this crazy story to try to help other people. You know, mm-hmm. and I, I the, the cosmos shine down on me. My last name is Higher H-Y-E-R. So I found this to be my higher calling, you know, H-I-G-H-E-R, you know, to share the story, to break stereotypes of addiction. That's what I remember thinking is, you know, Kevin, by the grace of God. Your higher power, you survived this, and I shouldn't have. I should have died that night. In the had I spent another twenty-four hours in the woods, that wooded area. Because again, this is really is in the middle of country, Orange County, Virginia. Um, you know, I I wanted to go out there and, and and repay the universe. You know, by showing you know stereotypes of methamphetamine addiction are not you know attorneys in a big city, but what is a meth addict? Well, you're talking to one. Now I'm in recovery, it's behind me and I've moved forward. But, you know, those stereotypes are so damaging because if you fit the stereotype, and again, you know, I keep it real. You know, if you fit that tweaker stereotype, you internalize it and that's damn good for you. And yes. if you don't need it, you might not think you have a problem when you do. And that was part of my issue was it was very easy to say, oh, well, I'm not that. Well, no, I wasn't. But clean cut, nice people from the suburbs, as I joke, can have a, can have a drug problem. Yes, so, yes. What I'm doing now with my foundation and with Tina, who's obviously a wonderful woman, you know, I don't know, how do you start so, by saying, the <laughs> first of my life? Um, you know, so, is,
2: uh, Sorry, Kevin, I'm going to break you one... I'm going to stop you one minute. Just keep that thought I'm just thinking, sure. can you see how you're talking about the higher, um, your higher calling, um, and how you weren't meant to be dead that night, right? Because because God sent you an angel, to save your life, and it's so beautiful to see how the synchronicities of of life, and how the patterns, and how God works in mysterious ways, um, to save your life. So, and and if you go back, you'll see how you know you have to chop the wood, and you have to go and get wood, and you will. So, it's it's really it's really a beautiful thing. Um, I just want to go back to Tina and say. Um, Tina, how did you feel after that? How did you feel after you um, found Kevin's um, sister-in-law and knew that even though he was in such a bad condition, you somehow had had a, a place in saving his life?
1: I knew that I had done the right thing um you know I just because like I said when they took him away I I I just had that mom instinct you know you you got to get in touch with his mom he's got family and after I actually talked to his mother I I felt good you know I knew Mm -hmm. that you know he had someone that was going to be there with him, um, you know, and it's, it's kind of, it's kind of funny because I'm a recovering opiate addict and I had been clean for two years when I found heaven. And Mm -hmm. so I feel that, you know, God put us in each other's path for a reason. And You know, I was a recovering addict. I'm still a recovering addict of five years, uh, going on five years. Congratulations. Thank you. And, you know, and then we find Kevin never once thought that it was drug related. I thought it was a health issue, you know, and then didn't know, thought that maybe someone had beat him, you know, never knowing. It never crossed my mind that it was drug related. Um, But there are so many people that are out here that right off the bat, just like the paramedics and the deputies, they first thing was, this is drug related. You know, so I feel great that I was able to help him. And then we actually got to meet each other right before Thanksgiving. And, you know, and like I told his mom, we all had a lot to be thankful for. And one was for Kevin still being with us, Mm. you know, because God put us there for a reason. You know, he made me and my husband go out at that time and find him, you know, laying there. It was, it was hard for a while because every time we go down through there, I have a um, four-year-old and a five-year-old. They were, point over there and say man man gone because <laughs> they were with us and we found him so you know and it's just it, the whole story is remarkable uh
2: yes um and i also have to mention um it's quite interesting how um kevin you sp- always speak about stereotypes right and how the the ambulance the the paramedics the police all said oh well." it's drug related so well hey there's nothing we can do um it's it's like you know what there's no hope leave them alone and let's move on so for you to be able to say no this is a human life and he deserves he deserves a second chance right uh, so that's that message is really really beautiful as well um, kevin how long did it take you before you actually realized what had happened to you because you were in a pretty bad state
3: right oh absolutely the bottom line was and i can't underscore enough that this how country this is it's a very rural part near lake anna virginia um orange county virginia it's very rural i mean i i should have died that night. And what I mean by that, just the odds of someone driving down that road, seeing me out of the corner of their eye. Um, you know, I was terribly dehydrated. I had sepsis. I had been lost in that wooded area. Um, you know, I had a serious gash in my hand. Um, you know, I, my kidneys shut down. I mean, that's the bottom line. What was, what was going to kill me was kidney failure. And I was on dialysis for quite a while. Um, you know, as my mind slowly cleared, I realized I had survived it. Um, and I mean this sincerely, I have many flaws in this world, but where my mind had went, as you said, is, is I believe so powerfully in, in the value of breaking stereotypes, because, you know, the police picked up correctly that it was a drug overdose, because that's, you know, what they do. Yes. Um, but the bottom line is, is that we're all God's children. And yes. you don't know who somebody is and you don't know the story, you know, and, and it's, it's probably a conversation for another time. Why at 39, you know, I what really drove this early midlife crisis, um, <laughs> throughout the age, but you know, in all seriousness, when you hear the stories of how people got addicted and I have working with, with the, that community, you know, yes. sexual yes. assault, um, for lack of a better word, twisted family rituals. Oh, well, when I was 13, I started smoking weed with my dad. And then by 16, he was shooting me up with heroin. You know, you, those stories abound. And is it healthy? Of course, it's not healthy, but it's a reality. And you know, as I, I may have said on another occasion, if somebody had a weight problem you know, and got diabetes, we wouldn't necessarily knock the poor decision so much of not having healthy eating habits yes, or yes. speeding down the highway on a motorcycle and they get hurt. We would have compassion. Well, some people might say, don't speed down the highway on a motorcycle. I would liken the same thing to to addiction. People have addictions because of pain in their lives. Mm-hmm. And when you can fill that with something to live for, some promise, th- the magic happens. And that's why in our foundation, I feel strongly about breaking these stereotypes that reinforces the stigmas. Um, and in our case, because my background was employment law, you know, we make an emphasis on helping people professionally and their families, you know, because insurance just does not cover that.
2: It's no. the reality. No, um, um so. Kevin, so what was it that day that, um, drove you, oh, excuse the pun, um, drove you down that road, um, so high, or what was it? Was it something that just, or what Can you even remember what was it that just pushed you over that edge?
3: Well, I I can't remember all of it. I'm kind of piecing together like a tapestry of what happened. Um, I know for a fact that summer in Virginia, there was a problem with with methamphetamine being laced with fentanyl. So not that it's ever healthy to do meth, but my (laughs) prior usages didn't quite have that outcome. So what drove me to that end was was probably the fact that it, w- it was an overdose. But the pain inside was the fact that I wasn't where I wanted to be. I was very unhappy about being single again for the first time. My career was not where I had wanted it to be. you know I had a lot to be grateful for, but in that moment, part of my personal journey has been recognizing gratitude. You know I had a lot to be grateful for, but I wasn't. I wasn't happy. I didn't I was envious of other people. that's one of my flaws. I can be very jealous. And I didn't have what I wanted, and I was I was self medicating that pain by mm-hmm. using methamphetamine, and, and of course that's the worst thing I could have been doing. But you know, drugs change your your thought processes. That's part yes. of the evil of it, and there are many evils of it. Yes, yes. Um, so what drove it? The answer was partially COVID. It was an excuse to hide away, you know, from the world, um, and I self medicated the pain. Instead of using healthy coping mechanisms, which is what I learned in rehab, and what we're now sharing. Yes,
2: yes, and and um, that is so important because a lot of people can't um, don't know those healthy um, don't know how to cope. Uh, well, thank you, Kevin. Uh, Tina, did you, even though you didn't think it was. Um, it was drug related and I don't think it even made a difference whether it was drug related or not but you did say you didn't think it was drug related do you think on some unconscious level because you'd been there before you probably recognized it as drug related but you didn't want to admit it to yourself because hey you know what you could it could have been you
1: no I it It never crossed my mind, really. Um, My main thing was to get him help, no matter who he was. You know, it didn't matter to me. It just it was someone that was in need of help and needed help. After they took him away and after I had talked to his family and everything, you know, I kind of went back and forth in my brain about it, um, you know, and questioned it. But then I was still like, no, there's no way, you know, because he just he didn't seem like that type of person. And again, the stereotyping. And so, you know, and I was like, okay, the police kept right off the bat. They were, you know to the point where they said oh, i was drug related but in my book it doesn't matter if it's drug related or not he's a human being he needed help and i was making sure that he got the help he needed
2: mm-hmm. i love that um so kevin did that change your mind
3: about gratitude Oh, absolutely. You know, sobriety, and, and Tina can speak to this given she's walked this road, certainly involves clearly not using mind-altering substances, but there's a lot more to it than that. It's a lifestyle. It's a way of seeing the world. And, and there's not one way to recover, but mm-hmm. certainly there are, there are themes that are best practices, put it that way. Yes. Um, yes. I have a lot to be grateful for. You know, clearly, uh, someone in my life like Tina, the fact that her husband and and, and Tina saw out of the corner of their eye. I mean, like I said, this is such a country road they were on. I mean, it, 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 I don't even know how words don't describe the gratitude I have towards the Blakes. Um, but towards the universe, towards the world, I have gratitude. And that's why, you know, as Tina said, I know I don't fit that stereotype, but the reality was I had a very serious methamphetamine addiction and clearly did, as you saw that day in the woods. Um, I feel so grateful I want to go tell the story because it is a powerful story. Yes. You know, as yes. well as the story of, you know, what happened in the hospital when, when I went to my, my best friend and said, you know, I think I'm dying. and It's all on the website. What happened? Um, you know, I want to break those stereotypes because stigma is just so dangerous. Yes. You know, it, it keeps people from getting the help they need. And then the, the ripple effect, you know, on the families, you know, mental illness, but particularly addiction, which is my primary focus. You know, it, it, it's a family disease. You know, yes. It, 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 everyone needs to, to. The family has recovery as much as the the addict does.
2: Yes. So what do you what do you um what do you think about that, Tina? Do you also believe that it's a family disease? Because you, you, I mean, you're five years clean, which is beautiful. But I mean, how did Yusuf go through all your pain with opioids? With the opioids,
1: it it was hard. Um, you know, I went through opiate with the opiates. And then I also went with heroin and, you know, when I came off, cause my family kept telling me that I had a problem. I went through denial, but I had so much from my past that I just wanted to hide that pain. And that's what I was doing with the opiates and with the heroin. Mm. And when it came time, I said, you know, I'm tired of this. I had pretty much lost everything except for my home. Um, and I said, it's, it's time for me to get help. And when I got help, as Kevin said, my family also, you know, I felt that they needed the help because they went through that addiction with me and, you know, they didn't get the help. And because the insurance wouldn't cover it, you know, and I went through the methadone clinic to get help. Luckily, my insurance covered it. I got clean. I'm still clean. I have not relapsed. And you know, I feel great. But that's why I want to try to help people also. And I'll, I'll help anyone, you know, I don't care who you are, what your background is, If there's something that I can do to help someone with addiction, I will do it. If I have people that have family members that, you know, have went through it with, say, their kids or whatever, and I'll talk to them about it because I know how my mom felt when I was an addict. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my mother passed away two years ago. But I was lucky enough that before she passed away, I was able to get clean and she seemed that I was on the right track. And she knew that I was going and doing the right things and trying to help others. I even did some um, talking at the methadone clinic to try to help people.
2: Well, that's really great. Um, So who saved Tina?
1: Actually, who saved Tina was myself and my husband. We we did it together because we were both addicts. Um, we're both recovering addicts of coming up on five years. We both just decided that it wasn't our life anymore. You know, we, we have two beautiful little girls that, you know, we always made sure our bills were paid and our kids were taken care of. But other than that, our money went to our addiction. Mm -hmm. And we were, we were tired of that. We were tired of living the moment for putting it to our addiction, you know, any opiates that we could get. Um, I have a back problem. I had a doctor that was giving me my medication, but giving it to me too much. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he, Like you'll never be able to have a normal life without opiates. Well, I'm five years without opiates and I'm living every day and I live very happy with two beautiful little girls and my wonderful husband and a beautiful friend like Kevin.
2: It's beautiful. So you can have it all after addiction, right, Kevin? (laughs)
3: Yes. Yes, you can they say in and yes, you can there's an expression they, yes, they say um in recovery circles that you can't turn uh, a pickle back into a cucumber, so when you walk this road, um it does change you, but that change I think can be for the better. you know I've always been someone who tries to grow around planet emotionally and and physically i um I feel like I'm a better human being. I mean, I was always a compassionate person and social justice has always been something that's important to me. But I think now I have a particular sensitivity towards not judging on the surface, you know? And again, as I said, when you really hear the stories about what leads people into addiction or you see that the the horror of it, you know, the savage nature of the cycle, because that's what it is. Addiction's a cycle. And having gone through it myself you know, and, and uh, this the never, never, never again. I mean, I was—that's what I would always say: never again, never again, never again. When something bad would happen. Until again. the next time. Exactly, and of course, because addiction is a progressive disease, the the, the 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 never agains happen more frequently and with more fervor because more and more problems come from it. Um, you know, so, so it, sorry, Kevin. Have
2: you found freedom?
3: Oh, I have indeed. Um, service is how I find freedom. And I see this as a form of service, is you know, is helping other people, uh, partnering with someone like Tina on this. You know, I think she and I are looking forward to really trying to to share the story because it is powerful. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. driving down the road and seeing a body laying in the woods. No, I am a clean cut guy. You know, I have many flaws, but I am, and I also have a neck problem or had one. I should say I'm in recovery. But my point is. I find freedom by helping other people and using my gifts and talents from employment law to help people and their families get back on their feet professionally when insurance just by definition doesn't handle that. So that's how I found freedom.
2: What else is there for Kevin
3: besides your foundation? Well, I'm writing a book, um, Tell Me True Tina, Um, which you'll have to be to hear the whole story, but um, there's a lot more to the story of the higher calling foundation than just this. Um, And it's a powerful story about breaking stereotypes. Um, And, and we're also planning to adapt that into a movie. So there are a lot of cool things coming down the road and I'm going to be donating all the profits to the foundation. So that's not going to happen tomorrow, but it's going to, and What's next for Kevin is really just getting out there with people like Tina and, and, and touching lives positively and, and, and using my higher calling, I got blessed with the last name that plays well into it, to say to people, yes, decent people can have a drug problem. and That's part of the story because there's nice. more to it than that. And if you can talk about it and reduce the judgment around it, people can get help and then get back on the game, but get back nice. on the road to recovery in life. It doesn't have to be this scary, horrifying thing. Yes,
2: I agree with that. So Tina, what about you? Have you found freedom?
1: Yes, I have. Yes.
2: What does it look like for you?
1: Uh, Me? uh, Being able to help, like Kevin, being able to help others, that is my main goal right now. you know, because I'm a stay at home mom. So I try to, you know, I I know of people that have went to the clinic and stuff, you know, to try to get help and then they've relapsed and stuff. And so I try to talk to them and you know, I I try to get out there and, you know, put my story of what I went through and why I got on drugs. And then turned around and got myself clean. And then, you know, now with Kevin and the, with this story, which was a major story because, you know, it's something that just don't happen every day. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, like Kevin said, you're going down the road and just out of the corner of your eye, about 20 feet off the road, you see a, someone land in the little roadway. You don't expect that. so. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that from my addiction and getting clean and from what we went through with Kevin, that out of all this, we can get people help. And as he said, break the stereotyping.
2: I love that. Um, That that is beautiful. Um, And and it's so um, beautiful that now you're friends and you are collaborating for a bigger purpose. And of course, it's all about the bigger purpose anyway, because that's obviously how it was meant to be, because that's why you meant. Um, it's also interesting, Tina, how you broke your fear, because a lot of people would have been afraid. If they saw someone on the, uh, lying in the street, a lot of people would have been afraid, because they wouldn't have known, you know, is he going to, is he faking it? Is he going to jump up and stab me and steal my stuff? Oh, you know, people have all these crazy stories. Um, so. Even that is um, very commendable, and it's a beautiful story of a good Samaritan. And I love those stories. <laughs> um, I love them. Too. <laughs> if anyone loves them, I love them. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You're you're a uh, you're a testament of of um, the realness of it. Right. Well,
3: it's a testimony to to not just doing the right thing, but seeing the common humanity. You know, I mean. Again, Tina's really the one who should speak to this, not me, because I've never been in the position of finding somebody lying, you know, in a wooded area. But you know, we're we're all God's children. However, you conceptualize a higher power, you know, part of the beauty of recovery is you can understand it as it speaks to you. You know, there's not one way to do it. But um, you know we really genuinely want to help people and we think it's a powerful story. You know, I've made the commitment to put all the profits into it from the, from the book and film adaptation, which is going to come. Um, so anything people can do to help with our cause and you know, it's not even just money, it's time. You know, like I said to people, if you live in a community and you're in a certain profession, you could help someone in recovery or their family. Cause again, addiction is such a family disease, get back on their feet and, and move forward. And that fights the war on drugs. Because when yes. you have something to for, you're less likely to relapse. That That's where the magic happens, is the connections with other people, the positive energy in your life, um, you know. Yes. It's, like
2: yes, so it's it's lifting each other up and just growing together.
3: Which We're, is all a together. Yes. We're all yes. in this
2: together. Yes. We're all in this together. Yes. What suggestions, Tina, would you have for somebody who... Um, who has a child or someone that's, um, addicted and they don't know what to do?
1: For someone that has a child and they don't know what to do, my advice for them would be get out there, talk to someone, you know, don't sit and feel that no one cares because someone out there cares and you know when before I got help for my addiction that was something that I felt I felt that no one cared you know mm-hmm. everyone felt bad on me because I was just as they all called me I was just a drug addict you know oh, she'll be okay, or, you know, she'll end up killing herself one day. (laughs) And I, I don't want that. Everyone has a purpose here on this earth. And, you know, everyone is God's child. And so anyone that feels that they don't have a purpose or they don't know what to do, talk to someone. Anyone, you know, go and get help because there is a better world out there. I, you know, I never thought that it was, but since I have gotten clean and I have been clean for almost five years, I have a new life. I feel great. I feel like I can actually help someone now when before I was scared to even talk to anyone because. I felt that people looked down on me because I was the drug addict and now I'm the recovering drug addict that has done something with her life and improved her life.
2: Mm, I love that. So you see, um, there's hope, there's hope, just reach out. Don't be afraid to reach out and don't be ashamed um, or embarrassed because there's help. And the Higher Calling
3: Foundation is just a call away, right? It is. And I'll I'll share with you, in addition to our primary work around helping people get back on their feet professionally and their family, we have an initiative and it's on the website called What's Your Higher Calling? And we italicize your to make people really think about it. You know, we all have different ones. There's not one that's better or worse than the other. We all have, you know, and as, as Tina was saying, you know, there is a better life out there. And when you tap into that energy. You know, it it really gives you a sense of fulfillment that drugs never would. You know, and that's for me what's let me move forward um, is is a natural high. You know that that methamphetamine could never give, and you know I'm a better person for it. So, which challenge to to think about these things in that form.
2: Yes. I love that.
3: Um, as long as you've got,
2: if you've got meaning and purpose, it also just directs your life and you realize that, you know, you can get high on life without drugs and alcohol. Um, but it's a process and it's uh, don't be afraid to reach out. Uh, thank you so much, Tina and Kevin. This was awesome. Kevin, um, We will have all the details of your Higher Calling Foundation in the description box. So if anybody wants to donate their time, money, this is a beautiful initiative. Um, Let's go out and change the face of addiction. Let's change the stereotypes. Let's help people out because you know what? Underneath those addicts addicts or substance abusers, abusers or whatever you want to call them, There's a beautiful soul and there's probably some very talented person who can make a difference in our society. We just have to give them a chance. So on that beautiful note, thank you so much. Thank you so much. It was an honor and a pleasure to have you here. Um, I love the story. And um, hopefully people can go out and, and see that, you know what, that person in the street is, could be anybody. So just give Just take a bit of time and don't be afraid. That's why this is called Break Fear, Find Freedom. Thank you so much. We'll see you soon. Bye, everyone.